this morning, I want to take you through a walk through scriptures for just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to read some scriptures and uh, uh, go over them. And uh, Lord willing, at the end, we'll tie it all together and you'll see what I'm trying to bring to as a point. Uh, as God's laid this on my heart, move me to bring it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for each one that's in this room today. We ask that you be with each one who couldn't be here, who's homesick, ailing. Father, that you'd be with them, comfort them, watch over them, help them. We've got some here in this room this morning that need healing. And Lord, I pray that you touch them and heal them. Lord, give me wisdom as I bring this message. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word. Lord, I pray that it might uh, touch hearts. That, Lord, if there be one here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would speak to their heart, draw them to the Savior, they would receive him today, that their life might be changed forever. We just thank you now, in Jesus' name, for this great country and for your love and care for us, in Jesus' name, amen. You can turn to Luke chapter 19, that's where we're going to end up this morning. In Luke chapter 19, we're going to go back a little ways and go over some things and come back to it, but you can mark that and then you can follow along from there. Uh, one of my favorite stories, well, I can't say favorite stories. I don't know about how many of you, you can't really say you have a favorite Bible story. Yeah, I can't either. I got, there's so many of them that I just love. This is one of them I love, and we're going to look at it here in just a minute, but right at the moment, in background, uh, Jesus had uh, told his disciples that I must needs go to Samaria. <clears throat> Back a few verses in another chapter. And uh, he had left and went down to Samaria. And uh, there he was teaching and healing and preaching. And, and now he's getting ready to return to Jerusalem. In chapter 15, uh, we have the parable of the lost coin. Where the, lady, the widow lady takes her candle and looks for the coin all over her house. The story of the prodigal son. We all know that one. The one who left home, took his inheritance and wasted it. Um, riotous living, the Bible says. And then he came home expecting to go, what? Be a servant unto his father that he wouldn't receive him as a son because he had done such terrible things. And what did dad do? Open arms. He came and brought him back into the fold and put, said, put the ring and the robe and sandals on his feet and brought him right into the, into the home. In Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, we have the story of the rich man who has a steward uh, who's accused of wasting his master's goods. You remember that story? He went out and after being accused, he told each of the men that he talked to, change your books to this much, change your books to this much so they can be correct. And the master applauded him for that. Now in Luke chapter 16, if you want to turn there, in verse 19, I'm going to read several long passages, so bear with me today, okay? There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, 
he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then said he, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear him. And he said, Nay, father, Abraham, but, not, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. As we look at this rich man and his life, he had great wealth, the Bible tells us. Do uh, you realize that most of you sitting in this room today, the poorest person has probably 10 times more than the average person in the rest of the world? We are a very blessed nation. This rich man had no compassion. had no mercy. And he did not heed the scriptures. Listen, he was a good man. He probably went to the synagogue every week and listened to the rabbi. And yet he did not listen to the words that God spoke. In Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. You ever done that? Lord, increase my faith. In Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10, a servant, kind of a picture of you and me, Jesus tells us when we have done that which is required of us, we have done that which is our duty. You realize that sitting here in this service this morning, you're doing your duty. Listening to me to preach this morning, you're doing your duty. You came to VBS and helped serve those kids. You were doing your duty. What does duty mean? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Okay? It's like going to work. And they give you a job to do. What's your duty? To get the job what? Done. Okay? In Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, Jesus cleanses ten lepers. You know, and Jesus was amazed. There's only one that came back and said, thank you. And you know what? He was a Samaritan. The Jews hated Samaritans. But he was the only one that came back and kneeled at Jesus' feet and said, thank you. All the rest of them just went on their merry way. In Luke 17, verses 20 through 37, Jesus answers the Pharisees concerning the coming of the kingdom They'd asked him about the kingdom and when it was going to come, and he goes through all those verses to tell them, when it's time, it'll come. Not before. In Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, the parable of the judge 
and the widow. The judge. The widow kept coming to him every day. They took my property. They took my land. I want it back. They took my property. They took my land. I want it back. And he finally gave in. He said, I'm a just judge, but I need to take care of this lady. She's driving me crazy. And he did. In Luke 18, 9, that, you know, it's a picture of us. When we go to the Lord in prayer over something, don't give up. You got somebody that's not saved that you want to, want to see saved, you pray for them and you don't quit. So you take your last breath or they get saved. All right? In Luke 18, 9 through 14, we have the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee stands over there in the corner and he's like, oh, here I am. I'm so good. I give. I love the church. I do all these things. And what did the publican do? The publican says he was standing over there and he put his chin down on his chest and was sorrowful and said, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. God said he walked away forgiven. In Luke 18, 15 through 17, Jesus says, Suffer the little children come unto me. Nothing more precious than little children. Listen, 90% of people who get saved, get saved before the age of 12. You think about that for a minute. 90% of them. Those who get saved after that, it's a real struggle for most of them. You have children, you pray for them. You have grandchildren, you pray for them. I got five grandkids. I've got two that aren't saved yet. I pray for them on a regular basis that God would touch their heart and they would get saved. In Luke 18, verses 18 through 27, let's turn there. I want to read this to you. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Anybody think he was lying? Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. He was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of heaven? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye, a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then they that heard it said, who then can be saved? Boy, that's a real good question, isn't it? If this man can't be saved, who can be saved? Listen, he, he's done the law. He's he just said, I have followed all the law to a T from my youth. If this man can't be saved, then who can be saved? What were they looking at? They were looking at the law, not looking at Christ. They were looking at the fact that if I do all these things that the Bible, uh, the Scriptures tell me to do, then I can be saved. But that's not what Scripture says. All of Scripture points to one person. That person is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. 
this young man, uh, this r- ruler, came and he asked this question. He had great riches. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with being rich. God's not blessed me that way yet. You notice I said yet. I'm still waiting, okay? But listen, riches won't get you into heaven. You can have all the money in the world. You can have a trillion dollars. Give it all to this church and still die and go to hell. You don't know Christ as your Savior. That's just honest, pure fact, truth. Did you notice the one thing that Jesus told him to do? He said, go give it all away and do what? Come follow me. What was he telling him? him? He was telling him, listen, riches are great, but they're getting in the way. Come follow me. In Luke 18, 28 through verses 43, Jesus tells the apostles, what is going to happen to him at Jerusalem? They couldn't believe it. Then in Nazareth, as he's traveling, he heals a blind man who immediately after being healed follows Jesus. Now, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, this is where he's been. He's been down to Samaria and to Galilee. He's come up outside of Jerusalem, outside of Jericho. It's where he's healed the ten lepers. Now he's going through Jericho, and he's into uh, to Nazareth. And he's seen someone healed. Now he's at, he's at Jericho, and he, he says here, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Anybody remember what a publican is in the Bible? He's a tax collector. Uh, back in those days, the tax collector, the way he got paid, was he collected the taxes. Then after he collected the taxes, he knew how much it was supposed to be. Anything he could tack onto that and get you to pay was his to keep. So if you owed $100 and he got $200 out of you, guess what? He walked away with $100. Wow, that's a pretty good deal, don't you think? Think anybody liked him? He probably had a few friends amongst his tax collector buddies. He probably had the nicest house in town. Everybody knew who he was. Anything wrong with that? No. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press because he was a little of stature. We know the story. Don't we? Most of us in this room. Zacchaeus ran ahead, didn't he? What did he do? He climbed up into a sycamore for the Lord he wanted to see. Listen, uh, he'd heard that Jesus was passing that way, and he'd heard all these things about Jesus. And he says, you know, I want to go see this guy. I want to know who he is. What does it mean to know something? If I was to know Ken Tar, I would know he's a handsome dude. His wife says that every time she sees him. He's a handsome dude. He works for Empire Electric. Has a wonderful home, wonderful daughters. A great home. Comes to our trip. I know Ken Tar. Is that not what it means to know Ken Tar? Know about him. Know who he is. 
what he does. Listen, that's what Zacchaeus was wanting to know. He said, I've heard all these things about this Jesus. I want to know who he is. That's a personal term, to know someone. Let's go on. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, we look at that word abide today in the English language, and we know what it means, but if you go back and look it up in the Hebrew and the Greek, that means to come into your house to stay. So Zacchaeus, I want you to know me. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Boy, they got a lot of room to talk, don't they? There's no man that's ever been born that's not a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, watch this, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And, I have taken any, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. Do you notice a change in Zacchaeus? I do. Think back to these other two rich men. The one who died and the hell looked up his eyes. What did he do? He turned away from Jesus. The other rich young, the rich ruler, he came and as Jesus was talking to him, Jesus told him, this is what you need to do. Then come follow me. And what did he do? He turned and walked away. Not Zacchaeus. Most hated man in town. Most unlike man in town. More than likely, because of his job. And there's a change. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I store him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was a lost man when Jesus came by. But when Jesus went and stayed at his home, came to live in his heart, he was a changed man, a new creature, a saved man. And we can see it in his life, in the things that he did. As I was reading these chapters, verses chapters 15 through 19, I noticed that the question that the apostles asked in Luke 18, 24, and 26, who then can be saved, Jesus answered in these verses. All these other things led up to what happened with Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus, like the others, was rich, and they were like, well, if this man here has kept the law and knew the law and couldn't be saved, how can any of the rest of us be saved? I dare say Zacchaeus went to the temple every week or every year at the appointed time. He went to synagogue every week. But yet he was a lost man, didn't know Christ. 
There might be someone sitting in this room today. You've been coming to this church for years, maybe two days, I don't know, and you do not know Christ as Savior. Let me tell you, coming to church won't save you. In verse 6, Zacchaeus receives into his home and life the Lord Jesus Christ. That word received, if you go look it up, it means to come in to stay. Listen, that's what Jesus does when we get saved. He comes in to stay. He comes in to change us. He comes in, if we'll let him, to mold us and to make us and use us. But most of you are probably like me. You're pretty stubborn, and once in a while he'll ask you to do something. and We're like that other guy. Not me, Lord. I'm going over here. Am I telling the truth? I've been there. He's a new man, changed. He received Christ. In verse 9, Jesus declares that salvation has come to Zacchaeus and to his home. In verse 10, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He's still doing that today. He's still here. He's still coming to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, listen. There's no greater joy, no greater thing you can do in the world than to receive him as Savior. And it's real easy. Number one, you've got to realize I'm a sinner. Well, what's a sinner? A sinner is a sinner. We sin. Sin is what? Sin is anything we think, say, or do, right? That breaks God's law. I dare say, I know I can say, there's no one in this room can say I've never broke God's law. No one can. There's only one person who lived a perfect life, and that was Jesus Christ. And when he was tempted, what did he do? He quoted Scripture for help. You may be sitting here today. Number one, you need to know you're a sinner. Okay? Number two, you need to know there's a price for sin. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know what? There's, I, I heard it. Brother, brother, are you here, Brother Lopez? Vincent, Jr.? Yeah? Way in the back? That's a good place for him. Way back there. Hey, Brother Vincent, I enjoyed that yesterday. He says, I got some statistics for you. He says, there, there, it, it's a one-in-one one statistic that every person that's born is going to die. It's 100%. You know, if you've been born, you're going to die. There's no way out of it unless the Lord comes back. There's only two people in all of history in the Bible that it says that didn't die. And that's because God came along and took them home. They're no longer here. Enoch, he said, come, go home with me. We've had a nice chat, nice visit. And God just took them on up. They walk right on up into heaven. And then you have Elijah. Oh, I love the way Elijah went into heaven. <laughs> oh, Elijah, I tell you what, his servant was standing there, and he's like, oh, my word, the chariots of fire and the horsemen of God. And the chariot come down and just swept him away. He's standing there like, 
Then he took the mantle and he walked back over there and said, I wonder if my God's real. And the water just parted. He walked across on dry ground. Yeah, my God's real. And he went on to do more than Elijah did. So number one, you got to know your sinner. Number two, there's a price for sin. That price is to die. Not, not physical death. We're all going to die physically one way or another. But spiritually, be separated from God throughout all eternity. But I like the last part of that verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But, man, little bitty word. It means a whole lot, though. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. I don't know about you. I love getting gifts. I don't get near as many of them as used to. I don't understand it. When I was a kid, got all kinds of them. Now I'm older, nobody gives me gifts anymore. I'm like, I'm the one that needs them now. You know? But it's a gift. A precious gift. Man, in one place, the Bible re relates it to a jewel that a man would go out and take everything he had and sell it so he might obtain it. You can't buy it, though. God says it's a gift through his son, Jesus Christ. How do we get that gift? By realizing we're a sinner, that there's a price for sin, that Jesus paid that price. Romans 5.8, that God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm not worthy of his love. Neither are you. But he loved me so much that John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's the final thing you got to do. Believe. Have faith. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But you know what? Jesus says, I'll help you with that if you'll just pray. Do I know everything about this book? No. There's times I wish I did. But I do know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I do know that if I'll go to him, he'll give me the answers I need. And listen, I do know that if you're sitting here this morning and you'll do those things, you'll understand that, I'm a sinner, that Jesus paid the price for my sin, that he died on the cross at Calvary to do that, that he rose again, and you just put your trust in him. He'll save you. So simple. That's why the Bible says, suffer the little children to come unto me. We get older, we get what? Skeptical. Yeah. We've got to come with the faith of a little child. I had two boys. I'll give you an illustration. I'm going to finish up here in just a moment. Listen, I had two boys. When they were little, I did junior church a lot, and they were down there and would help me with things. And I would put them up on a table high in the air. I'm not going to do it this morning. I'm, not, I'm too old, even some of the little kids in here. I'd stand them up on a table like this, have them turn around backwards, face that way, and then I'd walk way over here. And I'd raise my voice so they'd think I'm standing right behind them, you know. And I'd say, okay, fall backward. Would you do that? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't do that, would you? You'd have to look first. Yeah. You know what them little runners would do? <whistles> never look. They knew their dad would not let them hit the ground, and I never did. 
Why? Because I love them. You know, that's the way Christ is. He loves you. He loves you so much he gave his life for you that you don't have to go to hell. Hell's not for you anyway. It's for the devil and his angels. He doesn't want any man to go there. But there's an awful lot of them to do because they won't, by faith, trust Christ. And one day, just like that song says, my plea, you're going to stand before God in heaven and you're not going to have any plea. Because you're not going to be able to look at him and say, I have the blood of Jesus Christ on my life. He's going to look at you and all he's going to see is your vile sin. And he'll say, angels, bind him and cast him into hell. See, I'm washed in the blood. And when God looks at me, all he can see is the blood of Jesus Christ that's cleansed me from my sin. I challenge you this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, get it settled today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do you, do you realize that at the stroke of midnight, today is over and tomorrow is here? And it's what? Today. You're not promised tomorrow. You're promised today because you're alive. You're here. You're not promised tomorrow. I've been around long enough and preached enough sermons and been in church long enough to know that there's people sitting here today that next week might not be here. I don't know who you are. Our church has experienced that here recently. It seems like every time we turn around, Someone we love and care for is passed on. Thank God they all know Christ as Savior. We know where they are. One day we'll see them again. But if you're not saved, you don't have that hope. I had a man tell me one time that you need to go home and just sit down and grieve over your mother. And I looked at him and said, why? He said, well, she died. Yeah. Well, you need to go home and cry and do all these things. And I said, No. I said, I know where my mama's at. She's waiting on me to come join. She knows I'm saved. I, I shed tears. There's every now and then I think of my mama and my papa, and I, I, I don't shed tears. I just go, getting closer all the time. That's <laughs> truth. My time is getting closer all the time. I don't know if I have a tomorrow. I was talking to my son the other day. I like to scare him to death. I said, do you realize that three years from now is the time when my dad died? From my age, three years, my dad died. I said, you know what, every now and then, <clears throat> that kind of settles in hard. <laughs> you know, I hope I'm like my mom. <laughs> she lived another 20 years almost. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when it's going to be. Neither do you. See, it's not the riches that Christ was worried about. It was the heart. Where, where is your trust? Where is your hope? Is it in these things or is it in me? If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around this morning. <clears throat>